Hey everyone, welcome to We Weren't Friends in High School, the podcast where I reunite with high school classmates from my graduating class of Wizzick and High School in the suburbs of Philadelphia. I'm Brad Corbett, class of 2001. Thanks again to Javier Marquis for episode 206 in the archives now. It was really eye-opening discussion. We talked about a lot of different things. Um, so hopefully you've had a chance to listen to it. If not, it's there for you. Uh, it's in the audio archives and it's also available on youtube.com slash red shirt That's where you can see Javier's dog Bailey, who uh, makes a cameo during the interview. So that's up there for you guys. Uh, also facebook.com slash WWFNHS. You can follow us there and on Instagram. We weren't friends in high school, fun clips and little things like that coming out on those platforms. You can subscribe to the podcast everywhere. Google play is changing. So I need to do a little bit more research on what that means for their podcast service. I think they're just going to create a Google podcast thing, but I know Google play and Google music and all that is going to YouTube. So whatever, if, uh, in the meantime, if you can't find a way to listen to the podcast because your Google's changing and you haven't had a chance to look it up on your phone yet, you can always reach me at red shirt playa everywhere. And I will help you guys find it today. My guest is Yuko Katabi. Like most of my guests, I didn't really know Yuka. I think we had one class together and we'll talk about it. But I knew Yuka as a nice guy and some of the things he was doing post high school through some mutual AIM friends. Uh, remember AIM um, that we had back in the early 2000s. But this is the first time that we've ever really talked and certainly our first time talking about our time in high school. So uh, let's just get right into it. Here is my talk with Yuka Kotabi. Yeah. Well, I just heard that crack, by the way, and uh, cheers. Cheers, brother. <laughs> I'm actually, I'm, uh, I'm making a dirty Sprite here. A dirty Sprite? What's that? Dirty Sprite. A little Sprite and vodka? Oh, dirty Sprite. Never heard that one before. I think, it it's, a also a, I think it's also a feature album. That's <laughs> funny. Oh, well, I'm more into my, uh, my beers. I don't, I've never been a big vodka fan, so I like my beers. So, so. You know what? When I turned... Um, when I turned about thirty, it got really it got really hard to drink beer consistently for me. I don't know what happened, but vodka for me just started going much easier. Really? Mm -hmm. I've I've always thought vodka tastes like rubbing alcohol, so it just never really did it for me. <laughs> but but you, so. you know, you got to have the right amount of lime with it, or mix it with Sprite. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that makes sense. Although some people drink it like neat, and I just I, I just kind of like that myself. Oh, so. I'm no tough guy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you have to bear with my backdrop, by the way. Sorry, I'm, uh, I'm in the bedroom hiding from the kids so it doesn't get too noisy in the background noise. So, No, that's good. It's all good. Are we, are we recording right now? Or are we... We're recording. Yeah. Oh. At some point, I'll just like fade into it and it'll start, you know, in the middle of our conversation. Oh, okay. I was wondering. Uh, I've listened to a couple of them, but I, I haven't gotten a chance. It was generally my, uh, when I'm commuting to work, kind of listen to thing. I'd tune in and especially when you uh, did this with someone that I knew. And uh, I haven't been working a lot lately, so I haven't had a lot of time sitting in the car. And uh, with the kids at home, it keeps pretty busy. So, <laughs> so what do you want to what do you want to talk about? Well, where did you, you when did you when did you get into to Wizahickon? When did you like come into the school district? I started my sophomore year of high school. So really, yeah, I was. I growing up, I moved around my whole life, um, quite a bit actually. Like I. I Michigan, Missouri, Texas. I even did six months in Brazil, back to Texas, then Pennsylvania. 
and that's when I started in Pennsylvania. So I, uh, when I, I, had, I had left Texas, I was in Austin. Um, and that's where I consider I did most of my growing up second grade to ninth grade, um, with, with a six month stint in Brazil in the middle of that I went to Brazil for six months during that. And then, um, ended up in Pennsylvania after freshman year of high school. So I was a little bit bitter when I originally ended up out there. I don't think, uh, it's kind of shaped our, our decisions on with our kids, um, certain age point where it's not no longer, it's no longer acceptable to move if you, if you can avoid it, so to speak. So, um, but yeah, so it was sophomore year. What was going on? At, what was your, your life like growing up? Like what was making you travel all around in family? Um, my dad was, is an international business professor and he just, we just kind of jumped from college town to college town. And um, uh, he just, the, he's being in international business. He had some neat uh, opportunities to work for other universities all over the world. And so well, that's how we got the Brazil opportunity. went down there, which you know, I was really hesitant at first when we were leaving for there. And then after the six months down there, I loved it. I was like, well, it was a really cool experience, you know, made some really good friends and actually in touch with a couple of them still, well, Facebook in touch, but mm -hmm. more. Um, so it, it was a neat experience. And then um, he just kept kind of moving around, I guess, uh, more or less chasing different job opportunities or yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, so that's a, so you, you said, uh, like Midwest, it sounded like you said, right. In Texas. Uh, yeah, I was in Texas in, in Austin, Texas from second grade through the ninth grade. So born in Michigan, lived there three years and then four years in Missouri and then Austin, Texas for quote unquote, the majority of my growing up. And then the last three years in Pennsylvania or was second area. What was Austin like? I loved it. That's also why I was so, uh, not happy about the movie. And I loved it down there. I had a good group of friends. And once again, that was my kind of growing up area. So they were like the friends you grew up with from childhood and leaving them. And so, um, most of the people I hung out with in Pennsylvania were pretty aware of my want to go back to Texas slash, um, all that, so to speak. So, I really, I mean, I, for a while there, I was like trying to work out a deal where I would actually be able to finish high school um, and move in with my friend. My parents uh, stomped on that idea, but I was really working out because my buddy down in Austin was one, you know, his, his parents were willing to take care of me for a year. And I was like, let, let me graduate high school in Austin because um, I want to go back. So I kept a wheel and deal way to get back, but ended up not. So what township did you move to when you came here? Um... You're gonna laugh because I'm. I was in Bluebell. Well, what is that? Yeah, Bluebell. Whipping. Is that Whipping? Yeah, I guess Whipping. But Bluebell's Bluebell's recognizable. I, that's fine. Yeah, yeah. I think Bluebell. I think Bluebell's well, a township. I was gonna say. I was like, well, my my. So my geographical memory of the whole area because I only lived there the three years and kind of I, I would come back from college every once in a while. But I mean, for the most part, I didn't really come back after graduating high school. I don't remember a ton of the you know the geographic layout, so to speak. So, wow. That's pretty wild that this was really just like kind of like a stop for you. Yeah. It was just the three years, you know, sophomore, junior, senior. So, um, yeah, it was, it was fairly short in the big picture of things, you know, and, yeah. uh, so yeah. you get, so you get to Bluebell, um, and you come to, did you get here in the summer? Like right before 10th grade or uh, yeah, for 10th grade? Now you're jogging some, 
make me think really hard about some history here. Uh, we moved there, I think, over the summer, and I actually lived in uh, Plymouth Meeting. No, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it was Plymouth Meeting. We lived in a little townhouse for a couple of uh, months because our house wasn't available or something. So we were out. I think it was Plymouth Meeting. It started with a P, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it's Plymouth Meeting. Yeah. And then. Uh, shortly afterwards and then i think that was during the school year that we moved from the townhouse to the house we were in so um i don't know exactly how my dad had it all arranged but i remember we basically were living like the whole basement was just filled with all our stuff you know and then (laughs) we were just kind of living temporarily until we could get into the house so to speak so when you get here and you and you you start you get into wizard and i got to imagine somewhat different than austin yeah, it was, it was, it was definitely a shock. Um, it was, it was definitely a shock. And you know, I, one of the biggest things for me was obviously what I discovered really quickly is it seemed like a lot of people, I think I didn't even observe it very much when I was back in Austin because I quote, quote unquote grew up with the kids there too, but everyone kind of knew each other for forever, you know, cause they, you guys had all grown up together, uh, the ones that had been in the area. Mm-hmm. And so being at, like a new kid there was kind of a tough transition for me. I didn't, you know, I didn't particularly, I don't think I, I can say I loved the transition. It's, it's, it was kind of nerve wracking and it was, you know, it was, it's kind of a big one, especially at that age, freshman year or after freshman year, what is that? 13, 14 years old, somewhere around there. Um, uh, 15, 15. Okay. So right. 15 ish. Yeah. So either way, it was a tough age to be doing that transition. It, you know, it's, um, especially as high school kicked in, there's clicks, people were already friends with the people they planned on being friends with for, they're, they're dirty, so to speak. Um, but yeah, and it was just a big shock too, because it's just so different. You know, I didn't even realize just how different areas of the country were until I made this move, because I was always too young to really realize it before. And then after, you know, a freshman year to after freshman year, you know, I'm moving up to Pennsylvania. I was just like, so I was very surprised. You, you just don't even realize, I guess, when you're younger, how different areas of the country are. So. Do you remember any? Do you remember anything that stood out for you that was kind of a shock? Um. Well, the weather—that was a big one. That was a very big one. Um, seasons, right? Seasons. Yeah, there's, there's seasons, and Texas you have hot, and that's about it. It cools off a little bit, then it becomes hot again, and then um, the biggest thing was for me. So I was really, really big into like BMX biking when I was a kid. And we had our whole little group of guys. We'd all go out, ride a skate park over at the uh, dirt jumps. And just that was like our thing. And we'd be cruise all over town. And we kind of had free reign. Like our kids would, I mean, sorry, our parents would actually just let us like cruise around on our bikes and just go around all over. Um, and Austin was a little bit smaller town, obviously, than the Philadelphia area. So when we, and Bluebell being like the suburbs, it was entirely different where there wasn't, I, I just didn't really find that same group that I had in Austin, <clears throat> it was, you know, basically me and, and all, all the, like, I don't even know what you call them now, but like, it was all of us BMXers and like the skaters and all that. We'd all hang out together. We'd all go to the park together. We'd all do uh, stuff like that. But then moving to Pennsylvania, I didn't find that group. And then I also didn't have the ability to ride around just to go find a place to go, you know, ride the bike around, you know, like where there's jumps or everything was in the city. You needed a car. I was too young to drive. And it was just like a big shock where I lost that really significant part of my life. And that didn't exactly help with the transition either, where I didn't find a, uh, 
a soft landing spot, so to speak, you know, where it, it would kind of make me feel more at home, you know? So that was probably one of the biggest things. Did you ever see Airborne? No, what is that? It's a movie with like, among others, like Jack Black and Seth Green. But huh. it's about a kid from California who's a big surfer and he has to move to like Cincinnati, Ohio to stay with his cousins for the year yeah. while his parents go on, go on like an excursion. And he brings, he gets his rollerblades sent to him. And that's like his, his escape into being able to like bring a little bit of peace to California. There's like a, a, an indoor garden or something that he's able to skate through like a skate park. Oh, but it's like, that's his, that's his like able to, able to bring a little piece of, of that area with him. Yeah. And that's, that that would have been nice to have something like that, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So then what, what was your, did you have a break as far as like socially or something that, that helped make you kind of settle in or feel a little bit more comfortable when you, in your first year? My first year. So first year we couldn't drive yet. I'm trying to bring myself back. I would say the first year, I mean, I met some really, really good people, you know, and, um, but not being able to drive yet also was a little different. Cause that's when you'd have your parents drop you off at like the movies or the mall or wherever, you're, you know, the hangout spot was going to be. Um, but I definitely don't think until I could drive was that, was there a feeling of like reprieve, so to speak, because it was still a little bit more, um, it, it was just very different. I don't know. It is, it's hard to explain it just, and then once you could drive, obviously the world becomes a lot smaller or the area becomes a lot smaller because you can't start going out on your own. You're not having to constantly rely on rides or anything like that to go see friends. Um, but yeah, I mean, the first year was definitely much more difficult. Once the driver's license helped a lot once that all <laughs> came around. So so what broke the ice for you at Wizzahickon once you were there? Who? How did you start to blend in? Was there a an activity or a group of friends that you were able to connect with or? So, yes, there was definitely. Um, Scott Beck, remember Scott Beck? Yeah. He lived in my neighborhood. So he was probably, I think the first person I kind of became friends with in the area. And he obviously was well networked in and met a lot of people through him as well as, uh, I remember, was it Mr. Quimby's social studies class? Did he do social studies or I forget what class it was. So Leslie talked about him in for enrichment. What's enrichment? Uh, it was like a, it was like a, a I guess a two year course where he basically more so philosophized about the world and culture and more so than like a black and white history text type of a class. He talked about life. Huh. Interesting. I don't feel like I ever took that. Was it? Were the were they? <laughs> There options for that, or maybe I don't I remember. Think you, I think you maybe had to be voted onto the island. Oh, okay. Well, so I would guess then that he did like some sort of like social studies. Uh huh. Interesting. Okay. Well, it's probably that. Um, I just remember I sat next to Ryan Conway, and uh, like I met Ryan Conway and became pretty good friends with him as well through through that. That was the initial start of it, and then so between and that was kind of the the through them and kind of started networking in with it, you know, more or less their groups, so to speak. And that's how it kind of came to settle. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then it, after, especially after that first year where it's the transition factor was, you know, kind of difficult, but then afterwards the last two years, it was a lot better and settled in a lot better. So, um, so what did your life start to become as you like Ryan Conway, Scott Beck and 
the crew of friends that kind of like come along with that. What did your life start to become as far as like, what were you into? What were you doing? We would just kind of hang out. Uh, I think we kind of got into doing stupid things and videotaping it and thinking it was funny. Like we used to get together and we called it sign guys where blast ace of bass and cruise by the movie theater and jump out and do like silly dance and videotape it and then run back in the car and drive off and just, you know, kind of silly high schooler things. But, um, I don't think we really did too much. I mean, I shouldn't say too much else. We did a lot of other stuff. Obviously, it wasn't all just, you know, kind of stupid things. But um, as far as like uh, a new hobby or interesting activity that I, I found myself getting into, uh, I can't say there was anything. And that's probably one of the reasons why after I left Pennsylvania, I didn't have a huge draw to come back. I just mm. I didn't really have any real activities um, outside of hanging out with friends that I would have considered a hobby or anything like that would like kind of identify by or anything like that. So, um, yeah, it's kind of was a tough, tough situation, I guess, in that sense. How did you find was a Hicken in general? I mean, what was, were the schools in Texas, um, bigger? So the one I went to was a good bit bigger. If I remember, Wissahickon was roughly what fifteen hundred ish kids total, thousand fifteen hundred somewhere around there. Yeah, my high school in in, in Austin was like thirty five hundred kids. It was it was quite a bit bigger, um, and so that was a little different because it was quote unquote smaller. It was Hicken, not that it was Hicken was small, but it was just smaller than. Um, but otherwise, no, not really. Because I mean, I only did a fret one year in high school in Austin because I. Just freshman year, and that's it. So mm-hmm. I didn't have a lot of comparison there. So um, really, the biggest thing, as far as like a transitionary issue, was just like losing that that aspect of my life with the biking, um, and that was a really big loss. I mean, to this day, like my wife gives me a really hard time. I still have my BMX bike hanging in my garage. It hasn't been ridden forever, but I can't let myself let go of that because it's just like no. I mean, it's such a big part of my life that to not to, to get rid of it and officially say not that I ride it or anything. It's just, you know, just to give up on that. I just, I refuse. It's not just hangs in my garage and has a bunch of dust on it. So <laughs> it's the same one. Um, well I had a few bikes, but it's my last bike, last mm-hmm. one that I, so, so no one was into, I mean, there was, there was no one really into, into biking. I hear like you were never able to really give it a uh, go anywhere. Not, not really that anyone that I'd met, you know, or that was, I wasn't there that long. And like I said, the first year was kind of transitionary. And then last two years, anyone that I really hung out with was into that kind of stuff. Um, I feel like I might've met, might've met someone that liked skateboarding. I can't even remember. Um, but no, no one like it, it was, you know, in Austin is every day or moment of free time. Like you get out of school we knew a couple spots to go hit up and ride. Um, or on the weekends, we'd be at the skate park all, all day or, you know, stuff like that. Um, and then I hit up the skate park a few times in Pennsylvania, but I ended up having to go down into like Philadelphia. And once again, you can't drive, right? I'm too young. To, uh, you know, I have to get dropped off there. Or, you know, my brother would come up and we'd go ride a little bit. But as, you know, just taking from where I, it used to be for me to just occasional rides, it just, you know, just kind of, kind of fizzled away so to speak mm-hmm. i shouldn't say the fizzle away so much as just just the frustration of you know how how 
normal and that, you know, it's like a skill set, so to speak, and you're not using it that often and it gets frustrating and it's just kind of really difficult to accept that, so to speak. And so it just kind of fizzled off. I tried picking it back up in college a little bit, but it just kind of probably a good idea anyways, because it just probably, you know, sets you up for injury and stuff. But <laughs> once you lose that health insurance. Yeah, exactly. It's, uh, it's, it's probably a good idea, you know, as you grew up anyways. And now that I'm, you know, especially at this age, I couldn't imagine continuing to do that because I feel like I fell in and I'd just be broken for, for months <laughs> on end. <laughs> um, older, I mean, younger brother, right? You have a younger brother? Older and younger, actually. Oh. Um, I don't know if you ever met or knew my younger brother because he was there in Pennsylvania, but my older brother came to visit a couple times, but he stayed in Austin afterwards because he was in college. And so he, he got to stay. That was another one of the wheeling and dealing things. I was trying to figure out if I could live with him because he was over the age 18 and maybe he could be my guard, quote unquote legal guardian. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, so I have an older and younger. Wow. So middle child, huh? Yeah. Middle child. And all boys. Yep. All boys. Yeah. I, I can only imagine what it was like in that, in that <laughs> household parenting standpoint. <laughs> so was it, um, I, did you, I don't know. I feel like for me, I feel like I would probably act out in something like that, like moving and then maybe struggling to find friends and losing a passion like you lost. I feel like I would probably be maybe angry or have like misplaced like emotionally for you. Was it, I mean, obviously it was hard, but was it behaviorally tough or how do you handle like adversity like that on a personal level? Child stuff or are you talking about um, like just teenage years? Or- yeah, teenage years. Like, come, like so your parents are move, move and, and they move you at like one of the most pivotal times and you uh-huh. don't have your friends, you don't have your passion. Is there like a backlash for you to be angry at your parents or to just kind of I don't know, maybe the teenage thing is to like just mope around and I hate this. And what was your, your temperament like once you are here? I would say probably a mix of all of the above. So when, when I moved there, I mean, I, there was the, I think teenagers in, in general are probably inherently a little more unstable. And then I, I was just beyond frustrated, beyond mad about the move. Um, I don't feel like I gave Pennsylvania the chance it deserved because of my frustration. Um, and uh, and once again, basically after I left college, I just more or less didn't come back. Um, and then I, I do think being in the teenage years like that, like I to this day, I still have frustration that we moved. Uh, so it's definitely like you can ask my wife; she she hears about it all the time, and you know, it's like yeah, he's definitely not over it. You know, he was, uh, and so, but like I said, it's kind of shaped me now that I'm a parent, where I, I feel like sort of really, really significant reasons we're, we're not moving. We're going to hunker down after a certain point, you know, the younger kid, it's different, but after a certain age, they get to ride out their, their pivotal years in one spot. Um, so it's definitely, that definitely shaped a very significant, strong opinion that I've got there. Um, but yeah, I think the biggest things were, you know, I was, I was definitely bitter. I don't think I gave Pennsylvania the fair shot it deserved. Um, just because I was so bitter, you know, and, uh, I, I do feel bad looking back at it now, you know, but at the same time, it's, uh, it, it was definitely a very, very tough time for me, a tough transition, uh, losing that big aspect of my, of like the biking part of my life was a big one too. And it was just a really tough time. So 
that's the best way I can put it, I guess. I mean, I don't really... yeah, that's incredible. I don't, I don't like think I knew that that you didn't start and was a hit. I was like pretty surprised. Um, I guess I mean, it just really, you know, shows you like what you don't know about someone. I kind of, I guess when I look at you, I guess I look at you as like with like a a fun group of friends, and I think. I guess when I looked at like, you know, Ryan Conway and Scott Beck and you hang out with like Jason Herb. Yeah, I was with good friends with Herb, Bolger, uh, yeah. Sarah. Uh, yeah, Sarah Foster. Oh, Sarah Ward. Now I was, I'm using maiden names, but yeah, think about high school. Um, and uh, I'm trying to think, think back. Eric Kim. Um, wow, Eric Kim, yes. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I definitely consider them to be good friends, you know, and, and it was a good group to be a part of, but it just uh, still didn't fit what I was looking for, I guess, so to speak. You know, like it was fun to hang out and good people and, but the area and just once again, just, it just wasn't. Did you get to experience other areas in the Wizzick and School District? Like, did you get to hang out in Ambler at all or? Um, like in like the downtown area of Ambler or just like yeah. somebody's either or just because i feel like um i feel like bluebell is a very driving type of mm-hmm. town versus ambler kind of has like has like a very main drag and had some abandoned like tennis courts and just areas that like for me growing up that we used to be able to play in and really you could do whatever you wanted so huh. i was curious like for you did you have I went over to a few friends' houses that lived in the Ambler area, but we never really hung out in Ambler. I, I remember going downtown Ambler a couple times more like, I like I, I just I remember going to getting like fitted for tuxedos or, but you're more going to the stores rather than hanging out in the area, so to speak, you know? Um, so I, I'd probably say no, I don't really think I really got to spend that much. It seems like the way you're describing it though, it's a little bit easier to get around and find meeting spots versus Bluebell where it was, I mean, there weren't even sidewalks on a lot of the roads to be able to get somewhere, you know? Yeah. Everything's very much a main, a main, a 202, 73, but Ambler was sidewalks. Uh-huh. And so that would be, and that would probably be a little bit more what I had been used to is with the sidewalks and the ability to just get, hop on your bike and get around and go hang out with some friends. And that was more what I, what I was accustomed to. And then Bluebell obviously did not have that very much at all. It was, you know, it seemed like, a lot of different subdivisions that kind of just were connected by roads that you couldn't really ride your bike safely on and, you know, stuff like that. So, um, yeah, so no, I did not, but I hung out with a few friends in the Ambler area, but never really downtown. So, okay. You Uh, mentioned, uh, you mentioned Mr. Quimby. Uh, do you have like favorite teachers, favorite classes? Yeah, I'd say my favorite teacher is probably Miss McLaughlin, uh, for American, um, American history. I think it was American history. Um, I think it's some history, but whether or not it was, yeah. But either way, Miss McLaughlin was great. She was probably my favorite teacher. So, uh, someone else mentioned her too. Miss McLaughlin? Yeah. Uh, yeah, we, we terrorized her pretty well. So, but some pretty fun memories out of that class, you know, and, but she was always fun. Um, I think you and I were in TV lab together. Or was it called TV lab or, yeah, yeah TV, Mr. Malone? Yes. Yes. Okay. And that's, I think the only, I think that's when I kind of got to know you, so to speak, was through that class. Yeah. Otherwise, I, have, I don't even know if we had any other classes that, that stick out in my mind, at least. I don't think um, so. 
Uh, but yeah, that, yeah, TV lab was fun. That was always kind of nice because you get free pass to roam around the school with video camera. Well, that's what Jason was saying. So when you mentioned that that was kind of like your thing for having fun with your friends, like kind of hop out and, and do video, shoot videos. Um, I, that's ex- instantly where I went was TV lab, but that's kind of like what we were, they would just let us take these cameras and just, you know, Mr. Malone would just go, yeah, whatever, like, just go ahead, just come back, come back with the camera in one piece. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, do whatever you want. You go around the hall and just shoot stuff. Yeah. And it was fun. You know, it was, I mean, definitely be like math class or something, you know, it was much, but much more entertaining use of time. And I remember even using the editing equipment was cool. Even though it was like old school, like VHS tape, tape editing, you know, I mean, it, it still was just really neat to see that the, uh, the fake, I shouldn't say fake, but the, the news that we, I don't remember. Was it like, was it, was it actual news or I forget if it was fake or if it was, I yeah, no, it was like a, yeah, it was like a news program for the Wizik and channel. Uh-huh. That, would, that would air, like, I think it was Channel 16 on Adelphia Cable. I don't know what it was on, uh, yeah, Suburban Cable, right? Probably. That's right. Oh, I, I don't remember what cable we had. I, I think yeah. it, Suburban does sound kind of familiar. Yeah, um, we had Adelphia. So for us, it was Channel 16. And, uh, yeah, it would just run, like, pretty much 24-7. But it would just be slides of events and, and charities and clothing drop-offs that you could do. But then occasionally they would air, like, school concerts. The talent, the uh, the news program. I think Mark Pinchotti had a talk show. That's right. That's right. Yeah, I remember that actually. That it was on cable. I remember because you know back when we everyone had those big boxy TVs. I had one of those big boxy TVs in my room, and I was like, oh yes, the you know you can see the, the on real TV, you know, and that was that's right. Yeah, no, no that was fun though. You know, the, yeah. the real. Yeah, it was just it was fun. Who else was? Uh, was Pinchotti in our? Uh, I'm not sure. Our, I'm not sure if he was in our class, but I remember we had Brandon Deese and um, I think Adam Salter and Kevin DeProsperous. All in TV Lab together. No, I think so. I think okay. so. I'm trying to look back. I think Conway was in it too. I think Conway, so. Conway and Jason Herb, I think. And the only reason I think that, and I don't remember if you collaborated with other class periods or not, but I remember me, Jason, and Conway doing a, like a documentary to make fun of Conway when we were in Sears, or like a, a video documentary because he still rode the bus to school, so we were giving him a hard time about it. And I remember we had like all the kids throw all these tape wadded, you know, paper up and you know and throw it at him on the bus to make fun of him. So. Yeah, kind of like, you know, just teasing them and stuff like that. Yeah, right. but, That's great. Uh, yeah, I kind of wish I could find that video. It's pretty funny. So. I do wish. I'm, I've am i I've reached out to Wizzy Hicken to see if I can, like, this before the quarantine. I don't know who's in there now. Just, but just see if I can get my hands on some of these, like, videos from the old shows. And I'd love to see some of that content. That'd be super cool to see, uh, see that. But, yeah, I mean, I wonder if it even work. Like, this VHF, uh, VHF. S and not F. Yeah. Just even shelf life like that, that would work. Like I, I don't even know. Who has a VCR? I would know? hope that, I would hope they digitized it at this point. Oh, they they can take it. That would make sense. I would hope the school district would like digitize their, you know. Sit on it and all that. Yeah. yeah. On file. I, but I wonder if they still have it or not. Because after a certain point you have so many years of that too, you know. 
I wonder how much, how long they sit on it for. So, I mean, for people that don't know what we're talking about, they're listening to us. Like, you know, I do video editing now. So for me, it's like, you know, it's all digital. You put all your, all your stuff on, on an SD card. You just put it right into your computer. But we had to actually film on a DHS camcorder, not like with an adapter, not like a smaller tape, an actual like SLP six hour DHS tape in the camcorder. What's that? You said what's SLP? Oh, um, slow play. Oh man! Like the big, like the actual. You know, we were using the big actual like supermarket bought VHS tapes. Oh man! And a- and that's what we had to put in, right? It was a hicken. That's what we had to shoot with. And then we would do the reel to reel. So you had to put you had to put in your VHS tape, and then you had like another VCR that was a blank tape. And you had to literally like play and record. You're like dubbing. You're basically just like dubbing tape. Yeah. I mean, you had to like kind of, especially when you're editing, you had to like put them like and stop. And I remember pausing and then we had this little wheel you could spin like, I don't know if it's frame by frame is the word, but you would just spin it a little bit further, you know? And yeah, that's, I'm sure, uh, especially as you in the field you work in, it's, uh, you're very aware of just how different it is, you know, and just. Dude, so. I went to, you know, I went to Monco after Wizahickon and uh-huh. um, after that I went to Temple and it was on digital tape at that point, but it was still kind of hard to like, it was still like not cheap and, and cameras were expensive. And um, that was like the biggest benefit of going to school for, for film was getting access to the, to the equipment, but you still had to like transfer your digital tape into a computer by like, there was no like drag and drop. You had to like, encode the tape digitally into your computer of everything you shot but how do you take the tape and encode it into a computer like is it like a just plays off a vcr and a mini it was a so these were like they were called dv tapes they were like yay big and firewire do you remember firewire for computers it was like high. it was like high speed like before usb it was like high speed that it would be like an actual like a little mini tape deck that you'd put the tape into and it would have like AV firewired cords that would then connect to the back of like your G4 Mac. Oh, and that's, and then that you'd be able to retrieve through like, um, through like final cut pro, you'd be able to retrieve your videotape, your, your footage on your tape, but it was real time. Computer. And then from there you could chop it to pieces in more current ways, so to speak, like using what we would imagine now using like your phone or, once you stuff. once you digitize the, the actual physical tape onto your computer, then you can cut and cut and drag and move it like you would normal computer things and as digital editing is now. But you got to play that sucker back in real time and, and and encode it like that. And when I when I finally um, I was doing like writing for a couple years after college, and when I got back into actual videography, uh-huh. it was all different. Everything was on SD cards. Everything was like instant. It was like having to learn a brand new field. And that's what, you know, that was my passion in senior year and what I went to college for. And coming back like three years later, whole new world. I mean, think about technology and just how quick things change. I can only imagine, you know, you step away for three years and how different it is, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of nice though, right? I mean, like you said, before now, you had to all back just to get even on the computer versus now you take a little card that is so small you're gonna lose it and that holds it all on there. Mm-hmm. I don't even know if you use those cards anymore if it's those little USB jump jump drives now or how, how it all transfers over. 
Well, cameras still use the cards. Okay. So, so the card, you know, the little SD cards are, are still are still the thing because that's what you actually insert into the camera. Uh, uh-huh. But yeah, like it's like infinite shooting. You get 500, 500 gigs on a card or, you know, whatever you want. It costs $40 and it's recyclable. And man, we were, yeah. we were filming, yeah, pay like 25 bucks for like these tapes for these like digital tapes. And it was ridiculous. Yeah. And could you reuse them after you recorded on them or was it, it's done? You could, but those tapes were all you had. So unless you like completely digitized your raw footage and like you were secure in having that footage again, you needed to keep those tapes because if you lost your, if you lost your digital copy, that's it. Oh man. So yeah, no, no real, no real backup plan. So to speak. Yes. Dude, I got a Tupperware container, like just yay thick and big of just ridiculous, like CDRs and mini DV tapes that I don't know what I'm ever going to use. I don't even have a CD. I don't even have a CD player in this laptop. Like I'm, I don't know what I'm going to use any of those things again. Okay, you'd have to get an external or something, wouldn't you? Or I mean, how does it, do they even make those anymore? I mean, it probably. I feel like you can buy them at like thrift stores or something for thirty five bucks. I was gonna say you probably have to go like a yeah thrift shop or like a pawn shop or you know like at some place that has a bunch of old just stuff that no one really uses, you know. And I I I truly wouldn't even know how to get a CD player now. I mean, I guess Amazon you find everything these days, but still, I, I doubt there's such a thing as a new one. Yeah, you know, yeah. I've got so much of that stuff: DVDs, VHS tapes, and none of it is any good anymore. <laughs> oh man! And you're still—it's kind of like my bike. You just you're sitting on it, letting it collect dust. Well, when you mention that, that is very much how I feel about like all my old wrestling stuff. You know, I have like magazines and figures from when I was a kid, and tons of DVDs and VHS tapes that I think are worth something. Or uh-huh. at some point will be worth something because people do still collect them and buy them in bulk on, on eBay and stuff. But it's a part of my life that I don't, I'm not ready to just never look at again. Uh-huh. You know, so it just, it just sits in like an empty room upstairs and it's just there so that I like, I, I know I have it. If everyone look at it again, I can, but I never take it out. And in fact, I always like find myself saying, I got to hide this a little bit more so that when other people come over, this shit is just not all over the place. Like, this is embarrassing, but oh. I can't, but I can't remove it from my life. You know, I, I don't know that I'm, I'm done forever looking at it, thinking about it, reminiscing about, you know, kind of like my childhood of being a pro wrestling fan. Yeah, no. And that, that makes complete sense. Cause it's, it was such a significant part of your life. Like, why would you? And, uh, I mean, some of that stuff, you almost got to wonder, is it worth something if you were trying to sell it? Like, I think so. I think so. Um, I think it depends on the quality of it. But, you know, I have like old VH- VHS tapes that used to buy, they used to rent at the uh-huh. at, like the video store, like the old school with like the classic art on them and still in pretty good shape. So I feel like things like that are, are worth money because those aren't things you can just, you can watch things digitally online and, and whatever, pay-per-views. And, but to have the actual like box with the cover art, I got to feel like is worth something. That I, I would think the same thing, especially because it's not like you can just go out and get it. That's why I was like, if you're sitting on that stuff and you just keep sitting on it. And one day, I mean, obviously, if you don't want to get rid of it, you just sit, you know, keep it. But you could even play, you know, like in like a cabinet or something, just to be like, look at this stuff. You know, it's people are gonna look back and laugh, like you actually use that. You know, like it. it when you mentioned wrestling, I was like, oh, that's right, you were into wrestling, weren't you? Like WWF stuff, right? Yeah. Yeah. So Christian Lee was really into that, wasn't he? Do you remember Christian Lee? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. So you guys didn't know each other very well in high school or? No, you know, I knew Christian when he first came to Wizzahickon, when he first came to the country, we had, we had class together in fifth grade. We were in the same class. Mm-hmm. Um, but we never, we never like, it's funny because I remember him learning how to chew gum. And I always used to say that I taught, I helped teach you how to chew gum, but he always says, he would always say, John Saunders helped me chew gum. You didn't help me chew gum. So I don't want to overstate my relationship with Christian when we were, when we were very young kids, I will say mm-hmm. I grew up with Christian and I knew Christian yeah. for most of the time, but not until those college years when. I was hanging out with like him and Jason and Dan Bolger. Did I really, really interact more with Christian? I see. Okay. I didn't even realize you're hanging out with like Jason and, and Bolger and all them uh, during college and stuff like that. So this is a wild, wild, weird about way. Um, I used to go to the beach every summer and I used to work at Wawa. So every summer uh-huh. I would transfer to the beach. Oh, nice. And I would leave my home store and go to a shore and go to a store at the at, in Ocean City, New Jersey or Sea Isle, New Jersey, whatever, during uh-huh. college. When I came back for the fall semester and came back to my store, all my friends who are a few years older than me and none of them from Wizzahick and all from like out of the area completely, but had been there for like a year or two. So we're all really good friends and all hung out all the time. They go, uh-huh. they go. Hey, Brad, we got a new guy that took your place. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, we got this new cool guy. He parties like you do. But uh, yeah, he took your shift. So uh, we're hanging with him now. His name's Fee. And I'm like, Fee? Like, like, yeah, he's like from the area. Alex Fiambolis. Oh. Yeah. So like, yeah, we hang out with Fee and his boy Herb and his boy Christian Lee and Dan Bolger. I'm like, wait, wait. Are you guys hanging out with everyone from my high school like this summer? Is that what's going on? And they're like, you know these guys? I'm like, yes, I know these guys. So when I got back in the fall, like, sure enough, like we would go to the bar in Ambler and Jason and Christian and and Dan and all those guys, we'd all hang out at Rookies and Ambler. And then we'd go back to to our buddy's place in at Forest Gardens apartments. And we'd hang out there for like, we'd hang out there till like six in the morning. Oh, wow. And, and yeah, and drive home after that. Like, we used to party all night long, every oh. night. And that That's lasted awesome. that lasted for like a year. But, you know, it was one of those like weird things that I never had that relationship with any of those guys. Um, but it was it was very eye opening and cool to kind of before I was able to do podcasts like this. Like that was my first foray into getting to know someone that you didn't really know, even though you grew up with them. Yeah, exactly. Some of you obviously, quote unquote, known your whole life, but you never really knew him that well, just mm-hmm. running in different stuff. So, oh man. When you said uh, Fiambolis, I was like, oh man, it's throwback. I didn't, I haven't spoken to him forever. I know uh, like Boulder and Herb and them were really close to them and we all kind of hung out in that same group. Mm-hmm. He never taken though. He went to a different school, right? Fiambolis? Yeah. yeah. He, I, I want to say like he went to like GA or LaSalle or something like that. Okay. Yeah, I feel like it was a different school because they knew him from, I guess, when he was maybe in like middle school with them, or I don't remember where they knew him from, but we all hung out together and I, I got to know him through them, you know? So, what a small world, though. I mean, what are the chances? <laughs> like, That's so random. Yeah, it was funny. They were really trying to make me feel like a, a way about it. Like, yeah, we got this new guy. He's kind of replaced you now. Like, replace me. <laughs> yeah, Melissa. Oh, that's hilarious. Mm. Yeah, we used to go hang out at his place every once in a while, too. Yeah, I remember that. Piambolis, and you're bringing it all back now. I was like, oh, yeah. Um, 
Jim Paleo was actually part of the kind of the group we would hang out with too, you know? And, um, yeah, like I said, you're bringing it all back. So I, I meant to go run through the yearbook before this, just to kind of give myself a quick memory jogger just because it's been so long since I've, you know, kind of reminisced on the high school days and just, mm-hmm. uh, everything happened back then and, um, just got busy, didn't get a chance to. So that's what I'm here for. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Oh, you're saying all these names. And it's like coming back, you know, and it's kind of neat. It's actually funny. I, I just mentioned Jim Paleo and I, I remember, uh, I, I saw him actually in Calgary of all places. Yeah. It was a really random thing. And, um, I was on a layover out there and I had Facebook noticed that he was, uh, living in Calgary. And so we just randomly got together and I don't know if he's still out there or what he's doing, but, um, that was the last time I'd, I'd spoke, I think I've spoken to him since then, but yeah, it was pretty cool. It was kind of random. Wow. That is so random. Yeah. He had just moved there from Pennsylvania. I was surprised cause I didn't think he was, you know, I, I always thought he was just going to stay in Pennsylvania. He seemed to, you know, never want to leave. He was very happy there. And I, I didn't realize. And then I remember on a whim, I was like, you moved to Canada. What are you doing out there? You know, that's a pretty big change. And, um, but yeah, it was really, really kind of random and kind of neat. You know, um, he, uh, I don't know if he's still there. I, I don't think I've hmm. contacted him since that, that time. So it's been a good, probably 10 years or so now. I, uh, I spent, uh, I spent a couple of days in Jim Paleo's beach house for senior week. Oh, nice. Yeah. Where did he do senior week? We were in ocean city at like eighth and Washington. And we were with, uh, I was with Jim Paleo and Sean Higgins and Jill Sable. And I want to say that was probably it from Wissahickon and Scott Ritter was there. Were there other non Wissahickon people for senior week or was it just, yeah, yeah, there were, there were a few other guys that were there that I didn't know at all. Okay. And I was only there for the weekend. And I, we, I feel like we were like kind of around the corner from like Andrea new and Jamie Rosen and like that cruise uh-huh. beach house. Cause we, yes. I, we ended up over there and that was like where everyone was hanging out at that time that night mm. or that weekend. I see. That's pretty cool. I, so you said ocean city, New Jersey. Where? Jersey. Okay. Yeah. Ethan Watt. I don't know if you know ocean city at all, but um, uh, I'm not familiar. Yeah, so. there's there's a lot of like places there that kind of that do like heavy renting out for senior week, prom week, that type of thing. Um, big deal. Oh yeah, yeah. So we yeah, a bunch of people get places there. I think it's usually between there and Wildwood where where people oh. go. Oh. It, you know what you said, Wildwood? Because I was just now thinking, I was like, where did I do senior week? I remember that like people I was with, but I don't remember what town it was, but Wildwood because they have a big boardwalk. Right? I don't know if Ocean City's got, but yeah, we just small. Small, okay. Small board. Still, yeah, Wildwood, okay. How far are they apart? Geographic. Half hour. Okay. Wildwood's kind of the the southest shore point in Jersey. Okay. Ocean, like you have Margate, Ocean City, those areas are kind of the the first, and then you get down into like your Sea Isles, your Avalons, and then your Wildwood, Wildwood, and Wildwood Crest. Oh, so that's different than Wildwood then. Yeah, it's like just right. It's just on the water, pretty much. Nice. Yeah. We were at Ryan Conway's family had just gotten a shore house, and we went and and that was in Wildwood, and that's where okay. we ended up. So, um, 
once again, I apologize to my geographic references of all the different towns. I was like, so in relation to <laughs> where is that? You know, so. No, you're um, doing good. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's coming back. That's for sure. So, but yeah, senior week was fun. I remember that. That was really fun. That was the last little hoorah where you got to hang out and get a taste of what college was going to be like, you know, and kind of the freedom, so to speak. When you were going through Wizahickon, um, and I know, and I know, maybe wasn't like perfect as far as you know, reconciliation for moving. But I'm assuming you started to feel more comfortable, at least as you're as you're getting into the later years. Yeah, by the time I graduated, I was getting pretty comfortable and you know feeling normal about living there, and it wasn't this you know this this weird thing, so to speak. And um, but I still really wanted to go to Austin. Uh, I still wanted to go back. I was still my plan was to go back after college. I'm uh, sorry, after high school to go back and go to college there. Um, and then I ultimately did not end up going to college there. Um, but I, that was always kind of my want, you know? And, uh, but yeah, it definitely was much more comfortable. By the time I left. What did you want to go back to Austin to, I mean, you wanted to go to college, but did you have something as like, were you able to find a, another passion or, something that you said, this is what I want to do, even if it is going back to Texas, was there a specific area of life that you were interested in? Um, so I, I don't know if I told you or not, I, I, or how much you kept up with obviously the post high school Yuka life, you know, but a little I, bit I, you. I, I went to flight school in Daytona beach, Florida. Yeah. Um, and so I, it was a very specialized school and even, and I always knew I wanted to be a pilot and I, I, I it's something I wanted to do. And I, I just, uh, I still want to go back to Austin though, but at the end of the day, they didn't really have a great flying program in Austin. And so my dad was like, cause I was still was actually gung ho. I, I got into the college I went to down in Florida, which is a uh, very pretty specialized flight school kind of college. Um, and then, but, I, I got accepted there, but I was like, I still want to go back to Austin. I don't want to go to Florida. I want to go to Austin. And my dad finally was like, look, you want to do this. He's like, if I am willing to send you there, will you go? And so I, I ultimately ended up going down to Florida for college for that. How did you, why did you want to be a pot? I knew you ended up going to flight school, but I didn't know that that was, a. I mean, you know, it's funny cause I was talking to someone today and, and, um, I said, you know, I'm, I'm interviewing or having a conversation with a former classmate. And they said, you know, what do you, do you know about him? And I said, you know, what I do remember is that he went to flight school down in Florida. And I remember, I remember specifically, unfortunately, because I, am I wrong that the people that were involved in like 9-11 were in, like went to your school at some point? I think they did or were suspected to. I don't remember ultimately if it was. I, I, I've heard both sides of the story that yes, they did. Yet yeah, No, they didn't. Um, but I, I don't know for certain. But we had F over campus right after 9-11. It was, you saw a lot of, you know, very governmental suits running around. So I remember, so I remember kind of like that rumor or that story. And I might have even like talked to you about it. I, I think I used to talk to you on AIM occasionally from time to time. But uh-huh. like, I, I remember you doing that and then thinking, and, and my friend goes, 9-11, like, what grade are you at? I was thinking, like, well, we were freshmen. And then I'm thinking, like, yeah, when did he decide he wanted to be a pilot? Like, <laughs> when did that, when and how does that come into your brain? That's so different. Um, I kind of always wanted to be a pilot, like, since 
second grade. Like I remember being just that, you know, kid with his face smeared on the window at the airport, airport staring at the airplanes, you know, and the passion for planes is always there. I always thought they were cool. I always wanted to like either like drive a boat or a train or an airplane or I was always kind of interested in like, or a bus or some sort of vehicle. I just always wanted to operate a vehicle. I don't know why. It was just one of those things that just, I was always in, interested in. And then, um, but yeah, that's kind of how I just knew. And then, and then piloting was, uh, the front runner or the most interesting of all the different things I wanted to do and, uh, kind of went that Avenue and went. So did you, did you, I mean, you said second grade, but did you remember like when you're still in Texas, as far as you thought, was that like still, was that something you wanted to pursue at that point? Or did that start from like, from a career standpoint, or this is something I can go to college. Is that something you realized before was a Hicken? No, I did not realize that it's something I could pursue. I didn't think there was any chance. I didn't even know how you go out even becoming a pilot. I had no clue about any of that. And I don't remember the guidance counselor's name, but I remember talking to him about it. Um, Cause I think we all, didn't we all go to the guidance counselor to kind of discuss what you want to do after high school or I don't think point discuss you in a direction. Discuss yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I just remember it was like, well, I want to fly airplanes and, you know, I, I, I didn't think they have something you could go actually attain or I didn't know. I didn't know the first thing about it. And then he recommended, he's like, well, I've heard of this college down in Florida that they're, they're a big, you know, aviation school. We did some research on it and kind of ended up being, uh, you know, it's like a big flight school, basically. It's, you know, pretty well known in the industry. And um, so that's kind of how I got pointed in that direction. But no, I mean, uh, until basically that conversation with, uh, with the guidance counselor, I, I mean, I was kind of half joking and said, I don't want to be a pilot. Cause I, other than, I was like, I don't really know. I mean, you're, you're, I was 17 years old. Was, what do I want to do the rest of my life? I was like, I don't know, fly airplanes. I, I mean, I, you have your interests and then you have like, I don't really know, you know, what direction to actually go. And yeah. So I had a few good pivotal people that kind of steered me in that direction for sure. Because if it was entirely left up to me. I probably would not have gone that direction for sure. <laughs> Let me ask you this, just because of like the time that we were in high school and because of the passion that you had for BMX, at any point, did you think X Games or BMX Biker? Because this was the time when that could legitimately be a career if you were good enough, get a sponsorship, compete, or at least try it for a couple of years till you break an elbow. Yeah, um, totally get that. Would have been a dream come true, but I always knew I was never good enough to be professional. I mean, uh, when I was in Austin, I was close to getting a local sponsorship from this little local shop. It would have been more just wrapping t-shirts kind of thing. It wasn't anything significant, um, but it wouldn't have been paid either. It was basically just a, they, just so their name, you advertise their name. Uh, but no, I mean, I kind of always knew I was not going to be good enough to go pro. Um, I, I just, I, I loved it. It was fun. You know, it, it was a big passion, but I just knew pro was not. That's just the, what they do is just a little bit too, way too intense and I'd be way too scared of what they're doing. So no, it was a passion thing. So knowing that you always kind of wanted to be a pilot, knowing and knowing that you weren't good enough to be in the X Games, right? Those are kind of like your two passions, but uh, not knowing not knowing that that being a pilot was a career that you could pursue. Once when you're here, is there anything that you thought that you were working? Ah, I always imagine, I guess I feel like I always had like some sort of angst and I wasn't able to answer it until I went to community college and kind of got in a groove of doing video. But uh -huh. I 
I didn't know exactly what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to do something in like entertainment or performing or video or something. Was there anything prior to you finding out about this flight school that you thought you were working towards in general as like a, a lifetime? I'm assuming it meant at that point, especially though, meant going back to Texas. But what did you, did you have like any ideas as a kid or as a teenager that this is what maybe my future might be? Um, no, honestly, until I got steered in the direction toward flight school, my goal was whatever it took to get back to Austin. That was it. I was going to bring the bike and get back into biking. I didn't, I just figured I'd go to college. I didn't even know for what, because I didn't know what I really wanted to do for work per se, other than fly airplanes. And ultimately I got steered in that direction, but I didn't really know what else I wanted to do for work. I just knew the goal was get back. And so UT Austin was where I wanted to go and just get back and I figured the rest of it figured sort of self out. You know how 17 year old mind, 17, 18 year old mind thinks it's not, it's not necessarily the most driven as far as like focus in one, one avenue, so to speak. So mm. yeah, no, there was no real professional drive, like no professional goal, so to speak until going to flight school. So um, I'd be remiss because this is what, one of the things I love to talk about on the podcast I'm somewhat obsessed with is race. Um, you know, when you talk about your group of friends, um, mostly white, uh, except for Scott Beck. And are you, are you Japanese? I'm Japanese. Yeah. Japanese. What's that like? Um, you know, especially now I've dealt a lot with being, you know, biracial, but, you know, identifying as black and, uh-huh. um, you know, having like very, having like a, a very large group of, of white family, white friends, and especially in the times that we are, I think I've kind of like awoken some things in my, in my own mentality that I never really dealt with. Yeah. For you, I don't know, just hanging around tons of white guys. And I don't, what was, you know, I don't know what Austin was like for you, but I don't know any other Japanese people at the school. Perhaps there were, but I know it was mostly Korean. Um, what was that like for you kind of coming into a different, cultural group um so that was actually one of the big things i kind of noticed was uh so from where i lived in austin it was primarily a white area as well so all, most of, i shouldn't say all but the vast majority of my friends were white um and coming to wissahickon um i was actually surprised that there were so few japanese and so many koreans because i i in austin at least which was my only real other basic comparison at that point in my life there wasn't really a large Korean population that I was aware of, at least. And so, um, race-wise, I, I guess for me, grow, having done most of my growing up in Austin, I was just used to always being the, you know, just being friends with white, you know, people. Yeah, mostly white people. I mean, it was pretty much, pretty much. I'm trying to think. You know, I, I had a couple of black friends, but they've been in Austin kind of like with, Oh no, with can had a lot more I'm trying to think. Yeah. You know, I had a couple of black friends growing up in Austin, but not, not significant. It was mostly white uh, friends and Asian. I never really had too many of, and I think I had the most Asian friends back in with actually, because I, I got to know through Scott Beck and Eric Cam, a few of the, and John Yu and, and, I think we kind of with Matt Choi and, you know, like a few of the Korean uh, guys that went to school there too. And so there's a little group there where I'd hang out with them every once in a while. But um, for the most part, did, I didn't necessarily feel like I fully fit in with the 
group of Korean friends because they all spoke Korean and they, they kind of got their own way. And I, I just didn't really feel like I fit in there per se. So I kind of just had that, that little primarily white niche that I think I felt the most comfortable and most uh, blended in with, so to speak. So you had your family, but did you have a, did you have a, I mean, did you, in, in Austin, did you have like a Japanese, I don't know. I don't want to say support system like you needed support, but I don't know. I guess when I talk about like high school and I, and I talk about like some of the people like Kelly Brailsford and Alay Bradshaw and Aaron Cooper, and I really craved a black experience in, uh-huh. ad- in addition to, you know, the friends that I hung out with and Ray and Scott and, and George Barreca and, but I still craved a black experience to be able to talk about, you know, what I saw at the Grammys or to talk about, you know, watching Martin or did you, did you have or crave a, a cultural experience or a cultural identity outside of your family? Or was that really non-existent or was that not a thought for you? It was never a huge thought for me, I guess. I mean, so my mom used to be part of the, I forgot the exact name of it, but like a kind of Japanese society of, you know, uh, where it wasn't like in a school district or anything. It was kind of all of Austin. If you were from, if you were Japanese, they kind of all found each other and would get together. And she joined something like that in Pennsylvania as well. And we'd go to some events for that. Um, but I never really craved it because I, you know, growing up in the U.S., I don't even speak Japanese fluently. I don't. I mean, I'm by blood. I'm fully Japanese, but uh, the way I was raised, I, I don't speak Japanese fluently. You know, I. We ate a good amount of Japanese food in the house, but it was kind of always a mix. And it wasn't like a, a fully, like, how do I put it? Where I wasn't raised Japanese in America, so to speak. Um, I was raised, Amer- like, to my dad's big thing was he, he's like, he came from Japan. And both my parents came straight from, from Japan. So I'm the first generation born in the US. But their big thing was always like, they didn't want us to be. Japanese raised in America. They wanted us to mold into American society. And so we just kind of went with that. And all my friends have always blended with that. And it just, I never had a craving to identify with any. It's just more of a, I've always found people that I got along with and liked. And just regardless of, you know, cultural differences or whatever, we all just kind of get along. And, you know, that's just how it always felt for me, at least. Yeah. So it's interesting. Um, did you, I know Jason talked a little bit about um, partying on his podcast and, and for him, he kind of, I, I guess he felt like it, it was definitely starting in high school. Um, were you partier or what was your, your kind of like your fun? High school, I'd say we tried to dabble in it a little bit. We, you know, drink and, um, you know, just do typical high school dumb stuff. But I think, uh, well, sorry, I wouldn't relate high school life to being a partier. I think that for me kind of came out in college a little bit more. Um, I think for a lot of people, it probably could be said as well as you get the freedom and independence, but I always kind of was a little bit more, I guess, careful and reserved uh, in in high school, so to speak, Uh, probably too afraid to get in trouble with my parents, you know, and uh, I I remember I did throw one big party at my house and they quote unquote trusted me to take care of the house while they were out of town. And, we got busted afterwards and I mean, stuff like that. So it didn't happen often. We would do things like that every once in a while, but it, it wasn't a big thing. Um, and that, that aspect as far as being a partier. I mean, how about you? Were you big into partying or ever or like post high school or, uh, post, yeah, post high school. And 
current present day and time still going. Uh, <laughs> but no, in, in high school, and that's the thing, you know, I, 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 I think it's becoming funny now of like how I'm not obsessed, but how I, I kind of bring it up with, you know, quote unquote popular crowd, but I'm, I'm always interested in, you know, like asking, I asked Ryan Dunn about this. I'm always interested in everyone's kind of party aspect. Um, I never, I never drank. I never smoked. Um, I remember um, one time in my life, uh, senior year, drinking and Scott Ritter brought like a bottle of like whiskey. And it was like, so we don't know what we're doing because it, it looked, it, as I remember, it looked like a bottle of whiskey that like he took from like, from like his mom's liquor cabinet. You know what I mean? Like she's going to look, she's going to be looking for this two thirds full bottle at some point. <laughs> and, yes. and I remember drinking it, uh, like taking swigs out of it and not even knowing what the feeling of being drunk was to like, uh, I don't know if this is even affecting me. You know what I mean? Like, it was a very weird feeling in that, in that aspect. And it just didn't click for me. And even senior week, I remember drinking Budweiser in Andy news um, in, in Andy new and their crew's senior week house and thinking like, well, here we go. I'm drinking now. And I just thought this is terrible. Now it was Budweiser. So it should, yeah. but I just remember thinking like, Oh, this is what my dad drank. Like, this is it. This is, this is the shits and thinking like, I am not into this. But it was in college when I started finally mixing liquor with soda that I oh. realized, oh, I can do this. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh, I see. So it can taste good and you can drink a lot of it. Yep. Interesting. I remember uh, yeah, you talking about Budweiser and drinking cheap beer back in the day and stuff and never liking the taste of it, but it seemed to be what everyone drank, you know, and. And, you know, especially if you look back to high school days, I don't think there was much choosing. It was more of, you know, what, what kind of, first off, there was not, not exactly a palate out there to even know what you would like or dislike. It was just kind of like, oh, someone was able to get a bottle of this or a little bit of beer or something like that, you know, where it's just, it wasn't exactly if you're going to the store and selecting on the shelves what you felt like drinking. So, um, yeah, it's funny. It is, I wasn't big on like, uh, like smoking or any of that kind of stuff. Uh, I mean, we smoked cigarettes and stuff like that. I remember that we used to smoke cigarettes like behind the, the, what, was the what was the name of the library? Was it, was it just the Bluebell Library or the library right there in Bluebell, right next to the Bluebell Inn? Or oh yeah, yeah, the old the old Bluebell Library. So that used to be a that used to be a skating rink growing up. When I was, was a, yeah, when I was a kid, that was Young's skating rink. I had my seventh birthday party there, and they turned it into I think it was like the Wissahickon Library. Oh, okay. Oh, it's called Wissahickon Library. I couldn't remember the name. It was the Wissahickon yeah. Library, Bluebell Library. It was, it was the one right there in like the quote-unquote central area of downtown. I have to say you can call it downtown Bluebell, but... Marabella's. That's oh, the was that the there? That was the right. restaurant on the corner. Yeah, that was like restaurant right on the corner. I thought it was called like the Bluebell... I can't even remember. In the Bluebell Inn was, next, was across the street right next door. That was like the big white like kind of very old structure right across the street, all in Penland Bluebell Pike. Yeah. Okay. That's so, you had, so you had the Bluebell Inn, uh-huh. uh, Marabella's, and then the, if this is 73, and then you had the, the library up right here. There. So I lived fairly close to that library and I remember it was kind of the hangout spot in, uh, in high school. When I say hangout, I guess it was like, we, we would tell our parents we were studying and then we, you know, we'd go and we would study some, I would definitely, you know, some studying that would happen. And then we'd 
kind of socialize and go smoke cigarettes behind the library. You know? <laughs> it's like, it was kind of like, it, it's just funny. It, man, I totally forgot about that until you, you, you started talking about this. It's funny how it's, it's all coming back, you know? Yeah, because you're talking about partying, and I was like, yeah, I wasn't big, and I, well, well, I wasn't big into smoking, but no, we did smoke cigarettes and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, but no, I wouldn't, and not to any scale of uh, like partying, I wouldn't relate high school partying to anything like that happened in college, you know, that was definitely a, a different scale of, of everything. So, well, like how, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm really intrigued because you do this, this, this podcast, of, you know, like you said, 20 some people, give or take. And um, like, how do they, how have they been going all? I mean, obviously they've been going well as far as like socializing and, and getting to know, but how, how are they, is it been how, awkward or any, I haven't listened to all of them. Has there been, it's a cool, really neat concept. Like I said, it's it's awesome that you're doing this. And it's, like I was telling my wife about it, and I was like, "Yeah, it's kind of weird. Like, it's it's like this this high school thing, and it's like this podcast, and it's just kind of really intriguing." That and I was actually really like happy you asked me to do this because I was like, oh, "This is really neat." I was kind of wondering what it'd be like to, to do the podcast. So, That's I mean, awesome. any good from from the other ones or any, any you know, like what what are you gathering from all? Um. I'm gathering a lot about myself, uh-huh. to be honest. Uh, but I'm also gathering a lot of things about people. Like, so I'm learning about myself that I think I was really sensitive, oversensitive. I think uh-huh. I took a lot of a lot of conflicts to heart. I think uh-huh. I'm obsessed, not obsessed, but I, 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 I definitely like. I think I, I, I thought too much. I um, overanalyzed. And I put too much meaning behind a lot of things that happened in high school to where, you know, when you talk to people who have lived, we've all lived full lives. I don't want to keep saying that my life is different because I don't have a family. But when you talk to people who have a family and you realize, you know, everyone's had some sort of, you know, a lot of people have had some sort of like problem or issue or conflicts with other people. And they didn't give it as much of a thought probably as I did at times. Um, and to where I thought like, you know, maybe I had like, I felt like maybe I had mortal enemies that people that if I were to run into them today, it would be like, fuck that guy. And you, yeah. and you learn, I learned very quickly when I, Eric Coxon was the second interview I did. Eric and I didn't feel had a, a good relationship at all uh, in high school. Were you guys not friends? Or is, or did you even- we weren't friends. We didn't know each other really. We, I felt like we were adversarial. But when uh-huh. and I talked to Eric, it felt like that was the furthest thing from his mind. Uh-huh. Regardless of what our relationship was in high school, his his demeanor was very much so like this is now. Like you invite me to come do this podcast. Yeah, I'll talk about high school. But like negativity and things like that aren't things that he harps on issues. He talked a lot. I mean, he was very open about his life and, and problems that he's had and, and obstacles that he dealt with growing up. Uh-huh. Uh, but as far as like he and I, that wasn't anything that he thought of to where when I, before doing the podcast, if I were to think Eric Coxon, I would think, oh yeah, I remember that guy. You know, And I couldn't remember anything specific, but I think just in general, my opinion would be, oh man, when we, we used to, we used to have issues or, or, I hated the crew he hung out with or whatever. Like, and it was, and Eric was my second interview. So when I interviewed him, it was just like, that wasn't anything in his mind at all. 
Yeah. So it almost kind of like, and, and when you're in high school, you're, you're such a different person. You're, you're not mature. Even if you think you're mature and, um, things can change so much. And it's, I never felt like it was okay to just let things go from high school uh-huh. without some sort of closure. Like I, I felt like I, I think I, and that's probably why part of this height, why this podcast exists. I think I felt like I needed to address things that I still thought of. And yeah. And people still definitely think of things, remember things, are disappointed by things, um, love things. There's still a lot of memories that people keep with them. Um, but I think me more than others, I kept more negative. And I thought that those had to have some, I thought that those had meaning or had some sort, needed to have some sort of resolution for me to be able to go on. And I'm, I think I'm starting to embrace the idea of it didn't matter that much. And when I, it didn't matter that much then, even if I thought it mattered that much then it didn't. And, and I don't think I thought of it then. Well, I don't think even when I started the podcast, I think I look at the podcast as like so much more of an awkward moment for people of, you know, face to face and like, let's talk about why we didn't like each other. But before we ever get to that point, we have so much, so much communication about, you know, and understanding about how they came up, what they were going through, what their troubles were, who their friends were, what they like to do, commonalities. You know, before I ever got to like really talking about with Eric about difficulties I thought we had, I learned that he was biracial and Jewish and literally lived in the apartment complex across the street from me. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you know you were neighbors back, back in high school or no? No. I knew he lived somewhere in that vicinity because I used to see him drive uh, from school uh, after school every day. But I didn't know he lived right there. And I didn't, I don't think I knew he was Jewish. And oh. so all that stuff is like, you know, like it's missed opportunity. You know, yeah. that's, that's really how I looked at it. It's like, wow, like all this time that I, I think about not having like a, like a community of, Jewish people that I grow with because I don't think a lot of people knew I was Jewish. And so I just, I didn't get invited to bar mitzvahs and was a Hicken or anything like that. But here was a guy that was literally a biracial Jew living the same identity as I was racially and religion. Yeah. You know, like it's a missed opportunity to look at him and go, why well, don't, I don't like your style. I don't like the friends you hang out with. Uh, you're going to be an enemy of mine. So before we can even have that conversation on the podcast, uh-huh. my, my mind is blown about the life that Eric was living during that time that I thought I knew him anyway. Uh-huh. So and, and it's interesting. Oh, well, I mean, I'm sure it was really eye-opening. I listened to like probably the first half of that podcast. And then uh, it, it is, it's really interesting though, like in your, in your situation where it's like, you realize that you're both black and Jewish, you know, and, and, you and with all the high schools, obviously in high school, thing you know people aren't thinking as as a at a mature level like we are now, you know. But there's you're not going to put the day to day and like kind of relate and imagine what's going on in his life versus what's going on in your life and so on and so forth. So it makes sense. It's got to be eye opening, I would imagine. Very much, and you know, especially like when I talk to a lot of girls uh-huh. about like uh, girls that like you know I thought were pretty. Uh, girls that I would want to, I would have wanted to date and you hear about them just talk about self-esteem, you know, uh-huh. and, and, um, you know, like Holly had a very eye-opening interview just talking about what she went through and, and a lot of that stemming originally from not feeling like she fit in anywhere. 
Uh-huh. She, and so she, she kind of felt like she was gravitating to who gave her the most attention. Interesting. You know, and, and like, these are things that I never thought about, like, wow, how tough that could have been that if I was outgoing enough, then I, uh-huh. I, feel like I was an outgoing person, but I, I wasn't comfortable being vulnerable to say, even it's like someone like you, like you, like, I'll be honest, like there's a couple moments like in life that like you've crossed them, you've crossed in my life that I was like, wow, you cause a really cool dude. But like, <sighs> but like, there's no, like, um, there was no like moment where I think I felt comfortable just because I think I bought into the click. Uh-huh. There was no moment where I would have felt comfortable coming into like an Eric Coxon crew or even a Yuka Katobi crew to say, Hey guys, let's hang out. Let's do something. You guys are all cool. I'm cool. Let's, let's hang. I wasn't, it was like, oh, I don't hang out with them. And maybe that's normal for everyone in high school, but. It's a Netflixish mentality that I honestly, I carry that same sentiment a little bit too, where it's just like, I haven't back to Pennsylvania in a long time, but if I was to go back, I wouldn't be trying to reach out to people I didn't really know or, you know, and then if I ran into the bar, it'd be kind of cool to hang out or something. But once again, back to that clickish mentality, it wouldn't feel like comfortable, you know, I'd kind of like, okay, I'm going to go back to my table, you know, or the people I feel comfortable with. It's probably just human nature thing. I'm sure everyone's kind of got that same boat or same in that same boat, so to speak, you know? Yeah. And I, and I don't know how everyone's, you know, how I'm going to find everybody. Um, I'm, I don't know if they'll all go smoothly, but, <laughs> um, you know, what I find is like, especially, you know, I can speak to my experience now with talking to people, you know, I, I talk to Mike Clyburn fairly regularly. I talk to Brianna McQuaid a lot. Um, oh, wow. I zoom and I talk with Alicia Conti and Leslie Weber and Adrian O'Connor and Heather Goodwin, like a lot. I talked wow. to them for like four or five hours the other night on just a random happy hour. And there's never like a sense of, I think if I were to look at it from me, then it would, I would feel like, Oh, it's, you know, they're, they're patronizing here. It's, it's not that at all. It's like a genuine getting to know each other, getting a, a deeper understanding of who we were in high school and who we are now. And then a, a, a real genuine enjoying each other's company. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's anything I could have ever, I don't think that's a point I could have ever reached in high school. I, I, I think you're pretty spot on there. And I think a lot of it's just maturity levels. I mean, in reality, you know, we had our conceptions of the popular kids or the, the, the you know, every, every high school kind of say, you have your jocks, you have your popular kids, you have your, you know, everyone's got their little groups and it, it's like, you couldn't have that. And then if you don't really talk or relate to these people, cause if you really think about it, you think and look back at everyone from high school and you meet people that you didn't go to high school with, but it's like, what click were they in? But you don't think of the, what click they were in. And, but at the end of the day, it's like, well, if I went to their school, would I have even related to them at all? You know, and it's kind of funny how, how that works, you know, but you still have your conception of our high school life and it's, it kind of carries on. So it's actually super cool that you're talking to all these people that were outside of your group and, 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 you know, in adult life where it doesn't matter. Those things don't matter. So Florida, going to college, flight school. What was that? Uh, it was a cool experience. You know, I, I went to uh, a big flight school down in Daytona Beach. It's, like I said, kind of known in the uh, aviation industry. And, you know, I did my, my four years there. You get your degree, you get all your pilot's licenses and all that stuff. And then they, they kick you out to the world with a bunch of licenses and, you know, relatively low flight time, which is kind of your measure of experience in the industry. And 
then you just hop around from job to job trying to get, you know, your hands on an airplane, get as much flight time as possible. And the more flight time you get, the better jobs that you are able to get seem to get, you know, and um, ultimately end up at an airline. And that's where I, that's where I am now. And uh, post-college, I kind of continued the nomadic lifestyle of, of living, so to speak. I uh, packed up everything I owned. It all fit in my little, uh, my little Civic. And, um, you know, post-college, it's not like you have a lot of, a lot of junk, right? And TVs were left back then. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know, put in the Civic and rolled out. And I ended up actually being a flight instructor out in Arizona for a little while. I hated living in Arizona. I realized quickly in my life, I, I need to see chlorophyll. I need green. You know, the, the whole desert thing, I was just like, it's just a little bit glum on a day-to-day basis. For me, you know, some people love it. Just for me, it just didn't work. So I ended up moving on my buddy's couch in Austin, Texas, and was a flight instructor at a flight school out there for a little while. And um, that was pretty neat, you know, a fun time. And then uh, it was actually, there's a funny story about that one um, with uh, Carrie McCormick. Remember her, Carrie Potter McCormick? So randomly I was out there and I had a contract to finish with this company that I couldn't leave, but my buddy's couch, he was closing out of this lease. So I was going to be effectively homeless for about two weeks. And it was like, what do I do? You know, like, and I was like, I don't know where to stay. And like, thanks to Facebook, I saw that Carrie was moving to, to Texas to go to law school, I believe is what she was doing. And I was like, man, I haven't talked to her since high school. And I was like, Hey, this might be a, you know, we were like catching up kind of like, this might be a really awkward question, but can I like, like stay on your floor with like an air mattress? Cause I don't really know where else to go. I'd been looking at hotels. I'm like, I can't afford that. I can't afford this. I don't know what to do. I was close to sleeping on my car and mm. long yeah and so she ended up moving to texas worked out great and slept on the floor and you know finished out my two weeks that i had to like finish my contract and end up out in california from there so um what's that what's it so are you a flight instructor now in the bay area no no i'm a i'm a pilot for an airline now i, I work for alaska airlines now so oh, wow so that was the whole job hopping thing the beginning phases of the career are a little bit more interesting than than now so to speak so so tell me, just tell me a little bit about like life as a pilot. Um, it's the only one I, I you know, only kind of work schedule and stuff that I know of. And, you know, only, I didn't, I wasn't a career changer. I haven't experienced anything else. So it's like, I don't have a huge basic comparison, but it's, it's neat. You know, I like it. It's, uh, it, it's, it's an erratic schedule. You know, it's, it's not, you work weekends, holidays, you know, you work odd hours, sometimes in the middle of the night. Um, you're going from home. There's, there's a trade-off stuff, but you're also home a lot. Um, so it's neat. I love the job. It's a, it's a great job. You know, it's fun. It's, it's keeps things interesting. Um, obviously right now in COVID world, it's not the best job to have, so to speak. Uh, my industry is not doing particularly great right now, you know, but, um, neither are a lot of industries, obviously like we did earlier. Um, yeah, but it's, it's neat. You know, it's, it's, you you travel a lot and it's got, it's got, do you fly to Alaska? You know, it's funny. It's like one of the like three states I've never been to is Alaska. Yeah, it's kind of funny. You would think by now, I, uh, yeah, I would have been to Alaska, but no, I've never been to the state of Alaska. So that's um, that's one of my dream trips. Alaska. Yeah, I, beautiful. I think it's an amazing. I mean, everything I've seen or heard about it seems like an amazing place. That you know, it'd be totally worth trying to make the effort to go. But I've done. Yeah, no, I think it'd be awesome. I've actually heard one of the best ways to see some of Alaska would be to actually take like an Alaska cruise maybe even just so you can see a couple different ports. But I mean, 
go, like, I wouldn't even know what town to be a good town to go, you know, stuff like that. You probably have to do your research if you go out there. No, I, I've heard the cruises is the way to go because it's very expensive to stay actually in the towns and uh-huh. they're so far apart. You go to Juno, you're not going to get to Anchorage. You go to Anchorage, you're not going to get to Juno. Like you've got to kind of keep it moving no matter what or else. It, it's, or, or just plan on the one town and whatever surrounding outdoors activities are about a town, but mm-hmm. it, it would be neat. But yeah, I've heard the same thing where the cruises are a good way to like, as your first, like, and you know, your intro to Alaska kind of thing is a good way to kind of get your feet wet, so to speak. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I've heard awesome stuff about it. I would definitely think summertime would be more ideal than wintertime. So you can see the sun come up, you know, and all that stuff. But <laughs> I like weird shit. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, some, you could go do the, the, the ice hotels in Fairbanks, you know, that'd be kind of neat. Um, be my style. Yeah. I do that. Could be pretty cool. I don't know. I, I, I personally don't dig the cold. I, I, I like warm. So I, I'll, I'm like, yeah. Well, you grew up in, you grew up in Texas. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I pretty much spent most of my life in more Southern climates. So yeah, it's like, yeah. I don't cold very well for sure. What about, uh, what about families? Did the family come before you got to the Bay area or, or before you, before you left, uh, before you left Texas or where did that start happening? So, my family is in wife and kids or my family that I yeah. was a kid. Well, but I mean, I'm curious about just family after you left high school. Um, cause I know that probably, I know that wasn't like, uh, I know that wasn't like the smoothest, but like afterwards also, you know, it's kind of, I'm curious about like just life in general for you after college. Um, after college, I or guess, after high uh, school, I guess. Or, yeah. After high school. So, um, life actually got kind of rocky for me during college because my mom passed away when I was 20. And so that was kind of rough. And then my dad remarried and got divorced and remarried again. And the woman he's with now is she's great. You know, it's, it's been, it's been much better than the first remarriage, so to speak. Um, but that was kind of rocky. And then like for a little while there, I didn't really even know, like once again, having not really quote unquote grown up in one spot, I didn't even know where home was and, post-college, I didn't know where I was supposed to go. I just know I needed a job. And, and so it's like this kind of weird sensation or, or mix of like, just not feeling like there was a spot where I was supposed to be, so to speak. Um, and then, so my, my dad and his, his, uh, his wife now, they still kind of are in the Pennsylvania area, but they split up their time between Pennsylvania and Hawaii. So they're kind of half and half. And wow. my brother, they live overseas now. My older brother's in London, younger brother's in Thailand. And, um, younger brother's name. Hero. Hero. Yeah. Cause he went to a second. He went to a second. Yeah. yeah. So I remember running into him from time to time. Yeah. So yeah, he was there. Um, but yeah, so he, he stayed in Pennsylvania, went to college in Pennsylvania and kind of went all over. And I think he ended up in grad school in Chicago and ultimately ended up in Thailand after, more or less reinventing his life a little bit and changing some stuff around. But, uh, so my side of the family is really scattered. Um, I met my wife out here. We went to call, I'm sorry. I I met my wife in college when we started dating. We were like part of the same friend circle in college and then started, started dating when we both moved out to California and then, um, ended up settling down out here. Her family all, used to be out in the Massachusetts area, but now they're all out West. So they're roughly two hour drive away from where we are now. Um, but yeah, so that's kind of like what's always kind of kept us out West. Like we love living out here and it's great. Um, but we, 
weren't always sold on staying here, so to speak, until her family all was all out here. And now it's basically we're rooted in now. It's not, we're not going anywhere. What city are you in? Are you in San Fran or Oakland or? No, I'm actually in a small town north of San Francisco called Petaluma. Um, if you've had Lagunitas beer before, that's where it's. And if you look at the bottom, it says Petaluma, California. That's where I live. I live like a mile from the Lagunitas brewery. So, wow. Yeah, it's, it's pretty neat there, um, which is actually funny because it's not even my like ideal brewery to go to. I, there's another one that's next door, but that's a good way to kind of landmark on where I live now. So, um, but so I'm in Petaluma now. We were in Southern California up until late 2018, so almost 2019. Uh, we were living down in Torrance. Um, I don't know if you remember that from when you were out there where Torrance is, mm-hmm. but um, so we were down in Southern California for roughly 13 years. Cause my, our, our jobs initially brought us out to Southern California. We kind of just rooted in there. Always thought we might move to Northern California to get closer to my wife's family at some point, but never really did. And, uh, my wife was working, I was working and then the kids, and we just kind of reached a point where we were done butting our heads against the wall, trying to juggle schedules. And she decided to leave her job to stay home with the kids. And then it was kind of the catalyst to be like, she was like, well, if I'm quitting, let's move, let's get closer. And my job, I, I'm kind of tethered to big cities because you have to be kind of by the hub cities, you know, so to speak. So um, I, I transferred up to San Francisco. So we live up in Petaluma, which is about an hour drive away from San Francisco. And uh, we're closer to their family by a lot shorter drive now. So that's good. Awesome. You know, that's awesome. It's cool. Yeah. It's, been, it's been a really good, good run. I can't complain. You know, it's been two kids. Two kids. Uh, daughter who's six and a half and son who's four. So, yeah. any adjustment for you or like just grow and learn and being a dad or just yeah. uh yeah yeah I mean obviously there's a big adjustment for anyone going from no kids to kids and then you kind of fall into it and you know it's the thing about kids is they're growing so quickly that it's like by the time you think you have one thing figured out they're on to the next thing you know but. Um, and now I'm fully engulfed in, you know, father life or parent life, you know? And so I wouldn't say it's an adjustment at this point, but yeah, it's obviously an adjustment, you know, when you, when you first make the transition, but, um, it's, it's awesome. It's, it's cool. It's, it's, it's exciting. It's fun. It definitely has its challenges. It really, really exercising your patience, you know, <laughs> but <laughs> especially in COVID world now, because it's like this huge curveball's been thrown, you know, and how, to raise them in a safe way slash try and make sure they're still getting enough socialization slash, you know, like schooling and, you know, and and I don't think there's a parent out there that, that isn't completely like just stressed out and confused about how they're going to deal with school, whether it's sending them or homeschooling or whatever it may be, you know, it's a total, Mm. total, you know, so, um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. And luckily it, it, cuts down on a lot of the, uh, staying at home boredom, you know, like obviously now things are open up, so to speak, but it's, it's still safer to kind of stay home. So most people are kind of more or less hunkering down, you know? Um, yeah, so that part's been been good. So the transition wasn't, it's not bad, you know, it's just, it's a little eye opening at first for sure. So do you still have, do you still have like the desire? I know you ended up back in, in Austin, but are you, are you over that now? Are you good with not being back in Austin? You're, you're fine with where you are. And yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm totally, I, I totally, I moved to California and was like, I love it out here. It's, it's awesome. I, I love 
California. It's, it's got its problems for sure. It's crowded, it's expensive, blah, blah, blah. But I mean, it's just a lot of fun outdoor stuff to do and weather is nice. And so at this point, uh, you know, creeping up on 15 ish years out here, you know, and it's, it's the longest I've ever lived anywhere as far as they're concerned, you know, so it's, it's definitely home now. So it's definitely so it's, it's nice, you know, going back to the, the high school problems of moving and all that stuff. Like it's nice because it's like since high school, it's the first time they ever felt really rooted anywhere. So it's kind of yeah. nice. That's like, this is the most stable, like home life you've, you've had since, since you came, since before you came to Wissahickon. Pretty much. Yeah. You know, cause obviously college cut and it's not, you can't call that really stable home life. And then afterwards there was the little nomadic bouncing around from couches to floors to, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and so, but thanks yeah. for the, but thanks for that Carrie McCormick drop. Cause I'm definitely going to reach out to her and get her on the pod. Should, you know, you should, I'd be really interested to hear the, the, the uh, podcast and just be like, yeah. So he hit me up out of nowhere and be like, can I sleep on your floor? And be like, I know we haven't talked since high school. This is really awkward. I don't know how to bring this one up, but no, that's great. I love that. Yeah. So, no, it's one of those, you know, look back on, you know, obviously it's like the, the looking back on your, the earlier, earlier years or early 20s or whatever. This is the funny stories and all that stuff. So your post quarantine, what's, uh, what's the future looking like? Say that, you know, 2021, uh, the new year starts, starts off, you know, maybe like springtime <laughs> starts off yeah. like looking good. What's, uh, what's your life looking like back flying and. <laughs> So I am flying still right now. I still have a schedule. I just, it's not near the, uh, what, you know, it's not normal lifetimes, you know, it's so, um, so there's two things I'm going to go into with that one where the first is going to be the pre ending of COVID and post ending of COVID what I'm thinking. So the pre ending, uh, right now, most airlines are pretty overstaffed because obviously the demand for this gone down overnight, you know, um, and so they're offering these paid leaves. It's that partial pay, and but you get paid to basically not come to work. It's just not at normal pay levels, obviously. But so I, I'm thinking about putting in for one of those, and if I get it, um, that's what my. I don't know if you remember me talking about how my wife and I sit up to like 11:30 researching some stuff. We've been toying with maybe because their kids aren't going to school, getting like a RV or camper set up and just. Homeschooling, homeschooling there, hitting the road and going. Um, it, we've never done something like this before, so it's been a lot of internet research and stuff like that. But that's if this all comes together, that's the pre-ending of COVID plan. We'll see. I'm, I'm still, you know, like, I don't know if that's actually going to happen or not. The post-COVID would be probably to go back to Hawaii um, because when the world melted down, we were in Hawaii and the kids were having a blast and we had to cut our trip short, you know, just because, um, it was just getting kind of crazy at home. We wanted to get home, you know? So we're like, we'll go back. Like we will go back when things normalize and it's good to be back there. So, so last thing I got to do Yuko before I let you go is I got to go through the yearbook real quick because normally if this was the, uh, if this was the actual show face to face, I would bust out your picture and make you sign for me. But <laughs> there you are. Oh man. Well, no bangs, just no bangs. Right. Well, this is my, uh, my COVID haircut. I've got a pair of clippers and my wife kind of gives me haircuts in the backyard every, every couple of weeks, you know, <laughs> like, 
Your, so. your quote, Oscar Wilde, life is too important to be taken seriously. I still live by that. And you were in Students Against Drunk Driving in 11th and 12th grade. The other one? Yep. I'm pretty big on that one. Yeah. I've always been anti-drunk driving, so it's, it's been a big one. Interesting. That's a, my other club with the Interact is sad. Interact club was 11 and 12, yeah. Yep. Interesting. Yeah. And no, no, uh, no initials, just thanks to the family and friends for helping you get through the thing we call school. <laughs> Man, that is funny. That is, looked at that in so long. <laughs> I'm glad you have that. That's, that's awesome. I, you know what? I'm probably motivated to pull my yearbook out from wherever I've got it stashed and take a look tonight, you know, like, yes. but yeah, definitely keep posting. Let's definitely stay in touch. You know, like it's been a long time. It's great. I think I've probably spoken to you more tonight than I did all of high school, you know? <laughs> so, 100%. 100%. yeah, but yeah, no, I appreciate you reaching out and, you know, stay safe, stay healthy through all this. It was, uh, it was a good time. I'll, I will talk to you soon. Yeah. Sounds good. All right. Dude. All, right well, take care. all right. You too. Later. All right. That was Yuka Kotabi coming to Wizahickon in 10th grade had to be pretty tough. Um, Yuka mentioned how tight everyone already seemed to be. And we've heard that sentiment from people who came into our school district in middle school. But coming into it as a sophomore was kind of a new twist that I hadn't really uh, talked about with anyone. I was really interested in hearing about the life that Yuka left behind in Texas, all of his friends and his love of BMX. And it seemed from the outside for me, like Yuka had always gone to school with us. You know, he seemed to blend in great with all of his friends. I never knew how homesick he was. And the idea that, you know, when he graduated, he just wanted to get back home. I thought that was really, really interesting. I'm also really inspired by Yuka's COVID plans of traveling with the wife and kids. Uh, it's something that I think about doing. I watch YouTube channels on minimal living and people who travel the country in campers and vans converted for living. And I'm just really horrible with logistics. So best of luck to Yuka and the family if they do decide to get out on the road. We Weren't Friends in High School is available everywhere. Make sure you subscribe. That's how you get notified every other Monday morning when new podcasts come out. But you can also watch these conversations at youtube.com slash redshirtplaya. All the old interviews are going up there as well. So if there's something that you missed and you're just getting into the YouTube and you're thinking, boy, I wish there was something from the 100 level. Those audio podcasts are going up on YouTube for you to just kind of keep going through. Plus other related content like my conversation with Jess Ignon about policing and a special hall pass episode with Leslie McNitt, a.k.a. Leslie Weber from our podcast two episodes ago. But this is bonus content of us just talking about music, mainly 90s stuff, and that is exclusive on the YouTube channel. You can find us on Facebook at WWFNHS and on Instagram at We Weren't Friends in High School. In two weeks, my guest will be Barclay Boyd, a.k.a. Barclay Neal. Barclay is someone I thought I kind of knew of in school. She was in band. I knew she wasn't popular. But I didn't know about her life or the struggles that she was dealing with. She was bullied, she had difficulty finding friends, and she suffered from life-threatening depression. Unfortunately, life got worse for Barclay from there, and she'll take us through some of the abuse and the dark times that she survived. Barclay is very strong and has moved into a healthier life now with a degree and a son and some cool interests that she'll fill us in on. 
This wasn't an easy podcast for me. I'm sure it was even harder for Barclay. And there's a fine line between having an interesting conversation that people want to listen to and feeling like you're prying into someone's life a little too hard. And I hope that I was on the right side here with this interview. So that will be in two weeks on a Monday morning with my guest, Barclay Boyd, a.k.a. Barclay Neal. All right. So that is it for me. I hope everyone has a happy and healthy and safe, sanitized couple of weeks. And I will see everyone in two weeks on a Monday morning. Later.